0: I invite you to find Psalm 148 in your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible with you, please use one of the black Bibles in your pew right in front of you there so you can follow along with me. We'll be in Psalm 148. I'll give you a minute to find it, and then I'd like us to pray together before we look into God's word. I'm always reminded when I walk up those steps and Stand behind here and open up this Bible. That this is either a supernatural thing that happens here, or it's nothing. Um, I don't have anything to offer you other than opening God's Word, and and we pray by the Holy Spirit's power that we receive it as God's Word. Because you don't need to know what Matt Broadway thinks about anything. You need to. We need to hear what what God has said. And I believe His Word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword and So I I believe every time I stand up here that he means to accomplish things in us. And so I think we should pray before we read it. Would you bow with me? Father, as we read your word now together, and I do my best to serve your people and preach your word and proclaim it, uh, we just have to start from a place of humility and recognize that we come to you as as a frail people and easily distracted people and easily confused people and we ask that you would speak clearly and powerfully to us through your word this morning and i ask that you would you would help us to help us to grasp your glory together pull us up out of ourselves and out of our loud concerns that might be ringing in our ears To meditate together on your glory and be united in praising you and your majesty. Through Jesus, I pray that you would restore to us, restore in our hearts the praise and the worship and the wonder that's supposed to be there for you. And I confess that that's nothing that I can bring about. I can't be eloquent enough to make that happen. So we all are looking to you and I pray that you would help me to serve well and that you would help us all to listen well and to receive your word and to understand it, but also to be changed by it. And please do this miraculous thing among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for praying with me. So I landed on this psalm, Psalm 148, as I was praying about what to preach today on Student and Kids Sunday. And it's a psalm all about praise, Praise just means what you would think it means. It just means to speak uh, thankfully or in an honoring way to or about someone or something. Uh, It just means to say positive things to or about someone that you regard highly or something you regard highly. We do it all the time because it's central to our design as human beings to praise. It just happens naturally. Think for a minute about the last thing you praised or the last person you praised. And, of course, we all just sang praise songs, so go (laughs) earlier than that. What's the last thing you verbalized? A word of thanksgiving or gratitude or uh, just telling somebody about how great something is? Maybe it was your grandchildren. You were telling them how cute they are or you were telling your friend this funny thing they did or you were posting on Facebook uh, this silly outfit they put on or something. Why do we share these things? Or maybe your, um, whatever team you root for did really well. Not if it was the Panthers, but somebody did a really good job or somebody served a really good meal or you saw a really good movie. Naturally within us, we want to praise. We want to speak about these things and tell people or post it on our Facebook wall or just say, man, that was good. And that's, that's part of God's design for us. We are praisers. It's natural to us. Now, sin misdirects our praise. It's meant to go up to God and praise God. But sin, you know, it messes up everything, including human praise. And now our praise, it misfires, and instead we end up praising people and things and not praising the God who created those people and things. Part of what Jesus came to do was not just to make sure our sins were forgiven and not only even just to reconcile us to God— And those are huge, but in the process, he rebuilds that praise engine in us, our hearts. He rebuilds it so that it operates correctly again and we can praise God the way we were meant to. Everything God has done throughout human history was for his praise. And that's what this psalm is about. Now, I want to, before we get into the psalm, I just want to acknowledge that uh, sometimes we just aren't feeling like praising. Sometimes we're in seasons of life where praising is the furthest thing from our minds, the furthest thing from our heart. Sometimes we're in survival mode, and we're just trying to make it, and we certainly don't feel like praising. Um, I recognize that. I don't want to charge into this psalm oblivious to that. In fact, and this may shock you, I have times like that. And I know I'm your pastor, so I'm supposed to be super-duper spiritual, But this week as I was, I felt sure that the Lord guided me to this chapter and I sat in my super secret hideout where I do my best studying and I was, part of it is just writing out the passage and there's a lot of exclamation marks in the passage and each exclamation mark felt like an act of hypocrisy. Like I could barely even write it because I just emotionally just felt so bad that day. And I'm sure some of you have had days like that. I'm not calling us to pretend that we want to praise the Lord today by reading this psalm. I'm I'm reading this psalm because Christ is at work here. Restoring our hearts so that we praise God genuinely is a major part of Christ's work in us. So even if you don't feel like praising God... Be honest about that in your own spirit and in your prayers to the Lord throughout this sermon. Start from that place of honesty because this is where the Lord works in restoring our hearts to praise him. So, why did I pick a psalm about praise on Student and Kids Sunday? Well, verses 11 and 12 are why, and we'll get to, it, to them. But basically, because praising, praising God unites us across all kinds of different diversity, including age. So from the nursery to the young at heart, we are all united in the fact that we were designed to praise God. Sin has messed that up, and Christ restores it. And as he restores it, as we praise God, we're more and more united as a people, even across the age spectrum. So we'll read this, Psalm 148. We'll read it through and then we'll just walk through it together and contemplate on God's glory together and his praiseworthiness together. It has a a very specific structure that you'll see. It's basically two parts. One part is praising God from the heavens. Second part is praising God from the earth. And then within those two parts are two parts. So within part one, praising God from the heavens, you'll see a call to praise and a cause for praise. And the same thing in the second part. The Psalms are neat like that. They're basically hymns. They're written to be sung and used in worship throughout all the generation of God's people. And that's what we're going to use it for today, although I'm not going to sing it. I love you too much to do that to you. So let's just read it through. Psalm 148, and you can follow it up here, projected. That's the version I'm reading. Or you can follow it in your Bibles, which might be a slightly different version, but that's okay. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. So here we receive this stirring call to praise the Lord, and then we're given, all through it, many, many reasons to praise Him. And so we'll walk through those reasons together, and we'll start with part one, praise Him from the heavens. You can look in your Bibles. For the rest of the sermon, there's not going to be scripture up there, but images that might help us to ponder His glory and creation. So you might want to follow in your Bibles from here. The call to praise in the first section, praise from the heavens, says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Verse 2. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Verse 3. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Now we'll pause here for a minute. I have a picture of the moon there, but I want to talk to you about the sun a little bit as we think about God's praiseworthiness in his creation. I've shared this with you before because I can't get over it. Do you have any idea how big the sun is? It is massive. So one study I saw said that if the sun, if you scaled it down, the sun were the size of an orange, earth would be the size of a grain of sand, and it would be 10 blocks away. That's how big the sun is and how far away it is. So if, if the sun were hollow, according to scientists, I have no way to check this. According to what I have read, if the sun were hollow, 1,300,000 Earths would fit inside of it. God created that. But not only that, there are stars massive enough that if they were hollowed out, that many suns would fit into those stars. And then there's stars even bigger that if they were hollowed out, those big old stars would even fit into that those stars that many times. It is astounding. And I know very little about this stuff. And I'm astounded. Verse 4 goes on. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Now we'll stop here and just think about what this means. This psalm Written to these elements of God's creation to praise him. We get a bit of a hint earlier in Psalm 19. And I'll read the first four verses of that to you. This is to the choir master. This is a Psalm of David. He wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Now, these two psalms together basically indicate that the heavens are constantly crying out about God's glory. Just constantly declaring, proclaiming, pouring out speech God is glorious. God is glorious. God is glorious. Now imagine for a minute that you had a gospel choir just following you around everywhere you went. So you wake up in the morning and you stumble into the bathroom to brush your teeth, open up the curtain, there's a gospel choir in there just shouting praise to God, shouting, screaming, singing about God's glory. You get in your truck to drive to work and in the bed of your truck, this gospel choir just constantly singing about God's praiseworthiness. With you at work, in your cubicle, on your bus route, this choir constantly just singing out praises to God. He is glorious, he is glorious, he is majestic. What this psalm is saying is that creation is a constant choir, constantly declaring the glory of God. And why did he even create all that? I mean there's there's stuff out there that we have never seen, may never see. It's there for his glory. Because the universe, believe it or not, isn't actually about us. It's about God. Today, when you leave here, you'll be thinking about lunch, but I want you to think about God's glory. And when your skin feels the heat of that sun that is so far away from you, I pray that your skin will hear, God is glorious. And when you see the sky, I pray that your eyes will hear, God is glorious. Because that's what it's there for. He didn't have to make it so beautiful. All this could have been like a big machine. Ugly mechanical utilitarianism. It is beautiful because he is beautiful. It is glorious because he is glorious. As we move into verse 5, we get to the cause for praise. He writes, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Verse 6, And he established them forever and ever. And he gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. God is praiseworthy, for one, simply because he is the creator. You know, nothing had to exist. Think about this as you go to sleep tonight. Okay, when you close your eyes and it's dark, think about the fact that you didn't have to exist. Earth didn't have to exist. Nothing had to exist. It exists Purely because of God's will for it to exist. and In the New Testament, we see that, that Jesus Christ, who in a mysterious way was the agent of creation, upholds it all with his word. And so the same word that created it all continues to echo through human history and sustains it all. And if he chose to, it could end in a second. Our existence rests purely on the will of God. And none of it had to be. It, try to imagine tonight as you go to sleep a time before all of this was created. When it was just God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In eternal trinity, eternal glory. Try to imagine that. You start to get a sense of how small we are. And how glorious God is. Now as we transition to verse 7, we get to the second part of the psalm. We were praising from the heavens, now we're praising from the earth. Verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps. Now we'll pause here and we'll talk about the seas for a little bit. So as best I could tell from my research and preparation from this, there are something like 230,000 discovered species... That live in the ocean. But all the scientists pretty much do agree that there are many, many hundreds of thousands more that are undiscovered still. Just down there. And there are some bizarre things that we have discovered down there. Bizarre, beautiful things. Creatures that God has created. And to think that we have seen the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to God's creation than we even know. One study I saw said, you know, that water covers 72% of the earth's surface. And it said that if you were to compare the size of you, a human being, to the size of all the water on earth, it would be like comparing an ant to Mount Everest. The largest mountains and deepest valleys on the earth are under the ocean. So when you look at, Mountains that you see realize that more than that is going on beneath the surface. The average depth of the ocean is 10 Empire State Buildings deep. Have you ever been like in a boat or something and you get a stick to try to see how deep it is and you stick it down in there? You would have to stick 10 Empire State Buildings down into the ocean to find the depth of the average depth of the ocean. The enormity and variety and immensity of the deeps and the living creatures in the deeps are proclaiming constantly glory, glory, glory. God is glorious. The creator of all this is glorious. And we move on to verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. So my research here I am not a scientist by any means, but I did my best to make sure this was accurate. My research here shows that at any given time, there are an average of about 1,800 thunderstorms going on around the earth. So right now, as we sit here, it's a a calm, clear day. 1,800 thunderstorms are going on right now. God has his eye and his providential care over every single one. The same God that is answering our prayers, you know, we just prayed, Lord, speak to us through your word, and I trust that he is. The same God that's answering our little prayer from our little spot, from our little town and our little state and our little country and our little spot of the globe is overseeing 1,800 storms at the same time and knows about every one of those creatures in in the depths, even the hundreds of thousands that we've never even discovered. He knows them all at the same time. The ferocity and power and darkness of all these storms and of of weather and of meteorology is just constantly singing and proclaiming and pouring out speech. God is glorious. God is glorious. God is glorious. We move on to verse nine. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. as we're measuring things by the Empire State Building. There are mountains as tall as 20 Empire State Buildings stacked on top of themselves. There are over 100,000 types of trees. Many of these trees, just a single tree, would host hundreds of different insects, not to mention birds and whatever other creatures. The magnitude and majesty and complexity and variety and strength and usefulness of all these mountains, all these trees, is just constantly every day Declaring, proclaiming, pouring out speech. God is glorious. God is glorious. God is glorious. Verse 10. Beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. Almost 8 million species of animals. 100,000 insects. There's an estimated, this is another study I found. It's estimated that at any given time there are 10 quintillion Insects alive on the earth. Ten quintillion is six commas. So just think about that for a minute. While we're sitting here listening to a the sermon, there's ten quintillion insects squirming about, crawling about on the earth. Some of them are on your pew probably. From this tiny beetle that I read about that is the his entire body is as big as the thickness of this sheet of paper from this tiny little beetle that they think is the smallest free-living insect. You know, there's parasites and stuff that require being on another living thing to live, but from this tiny beetle all the way up to a blue whale, which is 100 feet long, 200 tons, God created it all, oversees it all, sees everyone right now just as he sees you. Every dog wagging its tail right now, every cow standing on a green field right now, every ant carrying some load way more massive than itself right now, every bird soaring above us right now is proclaiming, declaring, pouring out speech. God is glorious. God is glorious. God is glorious. And in the middle of this cacophony of praise, in the middle of this cosmic choir surrounding us all the time, is human beings. And we come in in verses 11 and 12. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. This is the climax of the psalm, just as mankind was the climax of God's creation in Genesis 1 and 2. It culminates in humanity... Because we have the choice of praising or not praising. And the emphasis here is the diversity among humanity praising God. He weighs most heavily here on those in positions of power and authority, but it spans all the way to young children. Kings of the earth and all peoples, so royalty and commoners of all nations. Praise the Lord. Princes and all rulers of the earth, that could also be Translated, officials and judges on the earth, praise the Lord. Young men and maidens together, basically means young men and old ladies, together, praise the Lord. Old men and children, praise the Lord. Retired executives and handymen with dirt under their fingernails, declare the praise of the Lord. That's what you were created for. Business owners and video game players proclaim the glory of the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's what you were created for. Those aching with age and those squirming with the energy of a young child, pour out speech of praise to the Lord. That's what you were created for. Babies in the nursery, preschoolers, children, preteens, teens, young adults, middle-aged adults, senior citizens. All created to praise the Lord. As, as the climax of praise to the Lord. And all of creation which was created to praise the Lord. If you're wondering what your purpose is for your life, it is to praise the Lord. And this is what Christ is doing among us when we think about student and kids' ministry. He is uniting us through Jesus into this cosmic choir of praise unto Himself. So it's not about keeping them entertained so that we can get a little bit of Bible and go on about our week. It's not about making it fun enough just to keep them engaged with church so they don't fly off into oblivion, into culture. God is gathering a people who will praise him. Through Jesus, he is changing the hearts of people of every age group, every ethnicity, a people to praise him. And we close with the final calls of praise, verses 13 and 14. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. His name alone is exalted. What that basically means is that he is the most glorious and praiseworthy fact of reality. He is the most glorious and praiseworthy being in reality. He is the ultimate reality. And all reality flows from him. The retired grandmother and the little girl from a broken home can both agree on that when Jesus opens their eyes to see it. The college student and the middle-aged man can both agree on this if Jesus opens their eyes to see it. The woman caring for her parents and the young engaged couple can agree on this if Jesus opens their eyes to see it. And so we are united in praise. Where it says he has raised up a horn for his people. The basic shorthand for that is he saves his people. He raises up a savior. This may be referring to some historical incident in Israel. But I believe it was encoded in the Psalms for us to use in worship of Jesus Christ. The ultimate savior that he has raised up for us. You know, not praising God. It doesn't just mean that we're missing out on our purpose in life. It does mean that. But it doesn't only mean that. There's a darker reality here. Not praising God means we're praising something else. We're worshiping something else. And that's idolatry. And idolatry is sin that brings about guilt, which brings about God's wrath. And so we're all born into this situation in which our hearts are mutated by sin and we're worshiping God idols. We're worshiping lowercase g gods. We're living and trusting in things other than the one true God, and we're praising things other than the one true God. And all the while, we're heaping up guilt for ourselves with him. And he's a righteous judge, and he can't just let us off the hook. But praise God that he has raised up a horn for us. He's raised up a savior for us in Jesus Christ, who lived the life that we have all failed to live, And died the death that we've all earned through our idolatry. So that we could be forgiven based on his sacrifice. So that we could be accepted by God based on his righteousness. And through that process we're born again and we're made new. We're regenerated. And our hearts are reformed to worship and praise like we ought to. Jesus saves a diverse people and unites them in praise. So I want to invite you based on this psalm to listen today and this week. Listen with your eyes and your ears and your skin and and listen to all of creation praising God. Listen to the cosmic choir. When you walk out of here, I hope I see people looking up. When's the last time you did? You know, when I was a kid, that's all I did. I remember laying in my backyard, just laying there and just looking at the clouds going by and thinking, man, that's big. But now we're so busy, and this is what we look like. Let's walk out of here and and look up and remember, we are small pieces of this giant, awesome puzzle that he's putting together to glorify himself. This Today and this week, let's let Jesus restore praise in our heart. Look for opportunities to verbalize God's glory and thank him for things and honor him in conversations and sing hymns to him. Share testimony around the dinner table of God's goodness and glory. Journal about him, social media about him. Because we were made for this. We were made to praise God. Let's receive Jesus together and join the choir. May we be united together in praise, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I thank you so much for creating us. Thank you for creating us, and thank you for creating things the way that you did, so that we're surrounded by evidence of your glory and your majesty and just the mystery of your greatness. And forgive us for not noticing. Or forgive us for our idolatry, please, in Jesus' name. And free us from it to worship you. You are the one true God. You are the glorious one. You are the praiseworthy one. And may we be a people who praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.